Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. The headlines in the paper, you know what the headlines are saying. We're screwed, man. This COVID-19 thing is no joke. And uh, grim growth, that's what uh, the headline in the Chicago Sun-Time is. COVID-19's grim growth is talking about the, the death rate, uh, the number of deaths, excuse me, in Illinois reported day by day. So that's kind of a grim topic. It's a grim time. Um, but uh, we're, we're carrying on from my attic uh, overlooking the brown line. And uh, so we're keeping up uh, the good fight. Uh, as we always do in the bonus show, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. My name is Miles Camp Laffin. I'm a web editor at In These Times magazine. I'm also just a general uh, writer, uh, journalist, enthusiast, etc. And longtime listener. I'm very happy to be here. And longtime listeners of the Ben Jarofsky Show are saying, hey, wait a minute. That's the same Miles Kampflassen who's on the Ben Jarofsky Show every Thursday. Yes, it is, longtime listeners. You're very smart and you're very observant. That's correct. And thank you, Bob Mueller. And we just decided to switch things up with the, you know, with the new arrangement. So we figure, you know, we'll interview uh, Miles on Thursday like we always do and drop it on Saturday. So folks waking up at 6 in the morning, I won't be one of them, Miles, will be uh, – Clicking on this and downloading it, and uh, you'll be a, a Saturday hit for them. All right, Miles. Um, let's see. Uh, we've already done a, a lot of talk today about Bernie being on the View. We've talked about uh, uh, whether he's trying to sneak Medicare for all by. I'd love to get your thoughts about uh, Bernie Sanders, the Bernie bashing uh, that's going on. Uh, in America today, and anybody who's heard Miles on the show know that knows that he's a huge supporter of Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders was on the View television show. I'm losing track of time, whatever it was, uh, but uh, it was, I think it was yesterday. Yes, Wednesday it would have been. Uh, Miles, the Bernie bashing is going on. It's like Democrats are all gearing up to blame whatever happens in November if it's bad on Bernie Sanders. What's your thoughts about this? Well, uh, yes, of course, I do uh, think that right now Bernie Sanders is by far the uh, best candidate for this moment. Um, and in that sense, I'm a big supporter of him. But really what I'm a supporter of and I've always been is of the um, type of movement that his campaign now has really summoned and represents, which is a movement for 
making economic rights into human rights. So uh, things like implementing Medicare for all, uh, universal health care system, um, providing a living wage for all workers, providing workers the opportunity to unionize and have more democracy on the job. Um, and to, you know, actually deal with the power structure in American society, which for so long has uh, given corporate interests a stranglehold over the working class in this country. And that's kind of what Bernie has been running. You know, that's been his agenda. That's why grassroots groups across the country have unified and coalesced behind his campaign. Of course, you know, we're in a very different situation right now than we were a few months ago, not just because you know, Joe Biden has a large delegate lead and uh, appears to be the presumptive nominee, but also because we're in the midst of a global pandemic that has shaken to the core, you know, what we have held to be uh, truths in uh, American politics for so long. And, you know, if you look at this election, it's an election without elections. These states are all uh, postponing their primaries. New York's not even going to have their primary until late June. The DNC just announced they are postponing the actual Democratic convention from July to August. We'll see what that even looks like at that point, you know, whether that's going to be a virtual convention, what, what it will actually um, be. But I think what's most important right now is that um, we are able to see a pathway towards a different vision of how we uh, enact policies and how we approach politics in this country than what has been represented by the Trump administration, which has just been, as I've said, not just a criminally negligent approach to this crisis, but by far like complete ineptitude. You know, these are people that just today now, you know, Trump has announced his administration announced they're gonna change guidelines to say, all Americans should wear masks whenever they leave the house. Well, you know, with a, a week ago, a literal week ago, not to mention months ago, Trump was scoffing at the idea of anybody wearing masks, yeah. you know, saying that didn't help. Now the CDC is about to say everybody should be wearing one at all times. This is just, and if you look at what happened uh, also yesterday, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, he finally um, embraced a lockdown, much like uh, DeSantis, another Republican governor in Florida. Um, but Kemp said it's because he found out within the past 24 hours that asymptomatic people could also spread it, as if this was some news. We've known that for weeks. But the problem is that they've gotten no direction from the Trump administration because the Trump administration is treating this crisis like, you know, they're just making it up as they go. They have no plan. And the real issue, and to get back to the, the, the Bernie uh, side of things, is that, you know, what Joe Biden has been pushing forward and what the Democratic establishment has been pushing forward for so long is a return to normalcy. You know, their whole campaign has been built on, we just need to get rid of Trump. Republicans are going to, you know, see the light of day and want to compromise again. We can get back to, you know, Obama era style politics. Well, we, whether or not you wanted to vote for big structural change or, you know, fundamental change in this country, it doesn't matter because it's coming. It's here. Look at the job report today. We've got 6.6 new million people filing for unemployment on top of the 3.3 million from last week. So that's 10 million people now out of work. Of course, that's a record in American history. The fundamentals of American politics, society, you know, every, the economy has changed and it's not because of politicians. It's because our economy has kind of fallen in on itself. So in order to deal with that, I think we need a different approach to politics. One that says, as I said earlier, that economic rights are human rights, that people are 
you know, have a right to health care, to housing, to education, to a dignified life. And I don't see that being represented yet, at least by uh, the campaign of Joe Biden or just, you know, generally in the Democratic establishment's response. So that's why I think it's still very important for Bernie Sanders to get his message out, whether or not, you know, he's going to be treated like a legitimate candidate. And we could talk about how he was treated on The View yesterday. All right. Let's before we get to back to The View and Biden, you raised a lot a lot of issues there. And let me just take a moment here. So often when I, I speak to uh, my guests who are leftists, we fall, we, we immediately start bashing Biden, which is easy for me to do. Uh, I always like to take a moment to pause and think about the political environment we were in with the Republican Party. And you just did a riff, Miles, that was very uh, illustrative. Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, the man in charge of the health and well-being of millions of Georgians did not know until today that you could be a carrier of the disease uh, and show no symptoms. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I barely passed chemistry at Everson High School. They they were so nice to move me on just because they were sick of seeing me. I knew that. Anybody who reads the newspaper knew that. Republican Party is so twisted and demented it's as though everything they see out there is is put through the lens of how will it impact trump and so this threat of the coronavirus of COVID 19 was viewed as a threat to donald trump's re-election so they spent the better part of the last two to three months denying that existed and ripping anybody that dared to suggest that we're un ill, ill prepared for it and they're still doing it. There's a pastor in Florida, I can't get over this, Miles, who is fighting for the right to have church services. He says he will go to jail over this. I've not heard Donald John Trump say one word. He's got the power of the pulpit, Miles. He could uh, really let that pastor have it with a couple tweets. Not one word. They're so afraid of their evangelical base. And so I always just like to frame any discussion I have about where the Democrats are going and who their candidate should be and what message they should uh, put forth by just exposing the lunatics who have taken control of the Republican Party. Yeah, well, the um, it, it, it's not just that pastor. DeSantis, in fact, the governor of Florida, uh, by all accounts, the only reason that he decided now to order this stay-at-home order, this lockdown, was um, because Trump personally called him and and, and said, "You got to do this." And you know they're tied at the hip. Trump is in many w- reason, in many ways, the reason that DeSantis got elected in the first place. But what he also said, and so this is, I mean, this is a this should be a you know national scandal. I mean, needless to say, we are in a true crisis right now. When we come out of the other side of this, there must be a reckoning, you know, to, to deal with the, what what has happened here. I mean, this it just shows the Republican Party in so many ways is essentially a death cult. You know, these are people that DeSantis said he uh, wants to continue with there being large church services on Easter. He said he sees no problem with that because people can, you know, be close, at least close to six feet away from one another. 
Well, that, that goes against the whole idea of social distancing. It's not that you, oh, you just need to be six feet and you're safe. It's that you, if you absolutely have to be out of your house, at least maintain six feet. Now, there's a new study out from MIT today or yesterday that says, actually, this virus can uh, travel at least 27 feet and it can stay in the air for hours, you know, in, in droplets. And so uh, the idea that bringing masses of people together for a church service in, you know, within a couple of weeks uh, is something that is tolerable. This is what, you know, the, um, the Republican Party is putting out and they had their beaches full. I mean, these are, this is the thing is that you look at what happened in Florida up until today, you know, really the beaches were full. And these aren't just people that are Floridians. These are people from all over the country that are traveling back. You know, they're leaving their spring breaks. They're traveling and spreading this disease across the country. It's the opposite of how every other country. I mean, there's no doubt that the United States in the, within the developed world has by far the worst response to this virus. And it is because of just the complete mismanagement um, by the Trump administration. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's really important uh, for everybody to keep what you're saying in context when you view uh, what's the Democratic approach, the Democratic Party's approach to how to defeat Trump and save us from this lunacy, which brings me back to Bernie Sanders' appearance on The View which I have uh, absorbed good chunks of it, uh, Miles. And the, the central conceit raised by Whoopi Goldberg and the other hosts of The View is that Bernie should get out and his uh, supporters should line up to support Joe Biden. Uh, and essentially, they should just shut up <laughs> and go away and just... Put, a, put aside their childish whims uh, to get things like Medicare for all and take whatever Joe will give you and be happy with it. Uh, and this was the theme of another essay I told you about by Joe Klein in the Washington Post where he was ruminating about how when he was young and naive and impressionistic, he once voted against for uh, Dick Gregory against Hubert Humphrey. And now he regrets it. Uh, so the attitude of Dems, Joe Klein, Whoopi Goldberg, is to treat a people like you as though you're a child and uh, that you're a baby and that you should shut up and man it up and do what they tell you to do. I do not think, Miles, that that is a very, what, convincing way to get people like you or uh, people who support Bernie Sanders to vote for Joe Biden. So what I'm asking yeah. you uh, is... What recommendations would you give the Whoopi Goldbergs and Joe Kleins of the world? Uh, maybe like a different message they could put out that would convince Bernie supporters to sign on with Joe Biden. What do you think you would like to hear them say that might be a little more convincing than shut the hell up and do what we tell you? Well, words are cheap. I think that there's no doubt that there there's a whole you know institutional side of the the Democratic Party that would much rather, you know, that, that despises more purely the left wing of the Democratic Party than they do the right. You know, they're this best encapsulated by, you know, Rahm Emanuel and his approach when he was, uh, you know, in office working for Obama and, you know, just uh, hated what he called the professional left, you know, and uh, just would do anything uh, possible to silence them, to talk down to them. Um, and these are, you know, these are people representing working class interests.
interests, union leaders. You know, Rahm famously said, uh, "Ask the UAW when talking about the uh, auto bailout," um, because he, you know, didn't believe that the union representing the workers should be uh, at the bargaining table. He just wanted to to run roughshod over it. This is the same type, of, and part of the reason I bring up Rahm is because you know the View hosts they love Rahm. They've had him on like multiple times in the past few weeks. You know, they, they think Rahm's the piece knees. Um, That's funny. Our that, host loves oh, Rahm. <laughs> He's just joking. Go ahead. He didn't mean to cut you off, Miles. Go ahead. No. There's just what I would want to hear from them is how about you uh, talk about the travesty of this country not having already 80 million people who are uninsured or underinsured, people that just can't access health care. Now there's 10 million more people unemployed. This is a complete, you know, uh, anatomy that we have a system where healthcare is tethered to employment, and then you you know put together a stimulus bill where all the incentives are for people for employers to get lay off their workforces and for employees to be laid off so that they can get that unemployment uh, you know insurance. Other countries that just doesn't exist. You don't have to worry about healthcare with your job at all. That's just you know the norm everywhere. How is this is just a part of the American. Uh, economic and healthcare system that just makes no sense. And all of those um, inadequacies are being put on full display now. And you can see that reflected in public opinion over, you know, in, in March, support nationally for Medicare for all rose to a nine month high. Um, and across every demographic, because people are realizing more and more when they see their health, you know, the Democrats might say, you know, if you like your health plan, you can keep it. Well, that's not true when you're one of the 10 million people that is now unemployed. You can't keep your health insurance. You're out. You're, you, you just lost your health insurance. I don't, you know, whereas if you had Medicare for all, you would never lose it. That's the whole point is that you don't have, it's not reliant on you having a job. So now we have this system and Joe Biden is still out here talking trash on Medicare for all. He did it again today. He said, you know, oh, that's not a solution. That would never solve this. Well, tell that to the people who are now getting multi, you know, thousand uh, dollar bills just for getting tested for COVID-19 treatment. And maybe Joe Biden would say, well, I think testing should be free for that. Well, if testing for COVID-19 should be free, shouldn't testing for diabetes be free? Shouldn't testing for cancer be free? You know, how do you, you know, isolate single diseases as the only ones worthy of being covered by the government. Have Whoopi Goldberg talk about that. You know, like I would want to hear these people grapple with the fact that this is not some, you know, hero worship on the left among Bernie Sa- about Bernie Sanders. It's about wanting to actually change American politics so that working people have a leg up instead of getting left behind as they consistently do under Republican and Democratic administrations. So I think that that's, you know, my real issue with that. It's not so much that I worry about them thinking that people like myself are um, naive or children or something like that. I worry about the fact that they're not listening to the voices of working people who are suffering and struggling. Those aren't the people that are getting featured on the view, unfortunately. All right. Let's talk about that for a little bit. People who are featured on the view. And we've had this conversation, I think from time to time, I know I've talked about it on the show, the absence of the left on mainstream, uh, television 
and uh, to, for, for that matter, in the mainstream media. I'm used to living in my own little alternative world bubble. I've, I've existed for the reader f- since the 80s, okay? So I realize I'm used to being segmented in the corner, the left corner of society. But I would have thought that if 30% of the Democratic Party is voting for Bernie, a popular television show like The View might put on a host, one of the, you know, they have the band of, of hostesses, somebody who like represents Bernie. We talked about this, I think, when we were talking about the George Stephanopoulos show. They got the mm-hmm. right-wing Republican. They got Rom, who's basically a Mitt Romney Republican. You got Chris Christie, who's a little to the right of Mitt Romney. And then you have one uh, leftist. So I give them credit. But the View doesn't have anybody. Like, there's nobody in the View defending Bernie. So what? What? Why? What is it with the mainstream? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that there's there's just such an antipathy towards people who are, you know, vocal critics of the status quo, because all the incentives on that end are to maintain, you know, you don't want somebody for one thing, if you're, if you're on a TV show that's, you know, on ABC or NBC or something, your network's getting tons of funding from pharmaceutical companies, from all the same type of corporate interests, which stand in the way of the type of policies that somebody like Bernie Sanders is, is promoting. Um, when it comes to certain people, like, you know, they might have on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who will, you know, be an outspoken advocate for left values. I mean, she's one of the best spokespeople that there are. Um, but they don't talk to her so much about that. They want to talk to her about, you know, the um, things that are, you know, lifestyle issues or something like that. Um, the, all the incentives are to against having people on who will call out uh, systemic injustice, because in so many ways, it's not that the hosts themselves or the journalists are implicated personally in it, but the structure that they're part of, the job that they have, the place that they work for, the you know shareholders in the corporation that is you know paying for the set and for the cameras and everything. All these people are benefiting from a current system we have in place. The problem is that that system requires there to be people left out and for people to, you know, not have access to health care, people to not have access to a living wage at their jobs. So I think that has to do with kind of like the power structure in the media. and You know, that's the issue that has been uh, in Americans for a very long time. We don't much like other countries. Uh, unlike other countries, we don't have a strong uh, public media sector. You know, so many other com- uh, countries have, and sometimes there's issues around like, you know, the state being too involved in the media, what have you, but at least it's free from corporate influence. We have, you know, very little of that. The way that uh, people get their information in America is largely filtered through, um, you know, so these corporate media outlets. So I think that's the main reason that we don't see more of that um there's some you know examples like the hill has rising crystal ball i think is a great advocate alexander rojas with justice democrats is now on cnn so there's some um you know areas where there has been a beachhead made for uh leftist commentators but by by and large i think there's still uh, antipathy towards treating the concerns of people like me and you very seriously. Well, I got to tell you, we had fun with this in the show because the view in, uh, when they were promoting their show about that Bernie was going to be on and they had that, like the ominous voice say, we're going to have Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Will he use the pandemic as an excuse 
to get your Medicare for all. I'm like, excuse? It's the reason we need Medicare for all. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And that's what they ask them. Like, so people are saying, uh, they always go critics. I love it. Critics say uh, that, you know, you're going to use this as an excuse. It's so wild. You know what I mean? Like there's something wrong. The, the, the question just so shows such a bias. They love, to, they love to play the, you know, yeah, they love to play ball game politics with it, you know, and say like, oh, this is, you know, you're tit for tat, you know, you're trying to take advantage of this for your own good or something. It's like, look what Bernie Sanders is doing. He's literally every night, he's just hosting these uh, online um, forums that give, amplify the voices of organizers, of, you know, people that work on um, public health. He is using his campaign as a vehicle now to lift up the voices of the people most impacted by this airline workers, you know, uh, restaurant workers. He had the head of the Restaurant Opportunity Center. These are people who are on the front lines who represent uh, populations that are suffering the brunt of the consequences from this uh, crisis. And it's treated as if he's, yeah, trying to take advantage of the coronavirus or something. It's madness when you think about it, but I, I'm not surprised because that's kind of how this whole, if you look at how this whole election has gone, you know, the, I think one of the main reasons Joe Biden is in the position he's in now is because after uh, South Carolina, you know, Joe Biden didn't do a single appearance, save for like, you know, talking for a few minutes on camera. And yet he got massive amount of, you know, earned media, supposedly this just, you know, free media that, that was all positive across all the networks. Then he gets endorsed by the other moderates in the race. And it's just this massive love fest. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, they've been as certainly in these times has covered for the better part of the past year. Just if you look at it uh, objectively, the media has been. Uh, incredibly hostile to not just Bernie himself, but uh, his uh, staff, his, you know, surrogates, anybody who has tried to push forward the kind of redistributive platform that he's been running on. So I don't think, you know, the view I think is especially bad, but uh, it's not an outlier. It's more representative of how the, you know, Sanders campaign and the movement he represents has been treated in the mainstream media wholesale. All right, Miles, before we let you go, you mentioned in these times, why don't you tell folks what they could see in, in these times, how they can get into in these times? Uh, what are some of the articles you've done recently, all that good stuff? Sure. So, I mean, uh, if you look uh, uh, on the inthesetimes.com, we've got a lot of great stuff out right now. We just published a piece on that issue of Medicare for All and how absurd it is that we have not had more Democrats come and see the light, you know, in the midst of this crisis, come around and say, hey, actually, you know, Medicare for All seems like a good idea. Instead, they're all, you know, staying out and refusing to really wrangle with the ramifications of this mass unemployment. Um, we're also publishing a bunch of stories from our upcoming print issue early online. So if you uh, visit our website, you'll see uh, a bunch of that. We're also, you know, this is also an international crisis. As we know, one of the big issues going on right now is that the huge uh, death toll is happening in Iran right now, a country that is under crippling sanctions from the United States, and that is keeping necessary medical supplies out. So we have a piece calling for, uh, you know, pulling back of the sanctions on Iran as a humanitarian effort, a uh, bunch of great stuff. So you should definitely check out um, in these times.com. 
And uh, yeah, as always, very happy that the Ben Jarofsky show is still up and running and give a shout out to the reader, which is, you know, still one of the best institutions we have in the city. I just threw down like 50 bucks to get myself one of the coloring books, uh, hoping that comes in the mail. So uh, yeah, if you've got some extra bucks right now, this is a time we need uh, to show some support to the institutions that we love, small businesses, nonprofits, what have you. So I want to encourage everybody to do that. Yeah. And I want to also put, thank you very much for saying that, Miles. Uh, the reader, one of the other fundraising things we're doing, uh, they've asked writers, myself included, uh, to put together sort of like their greatest hits. And I've been really struggling with this one, Miles. I've been writing for the reader for a long, long time. Before you were born, I was writing for the reader. And so I'm going through the files, like what, you know, which articles should I take? And, uh, you know, trying to reduce it to uh, like 10 articles. Uh, and it's just really blowing my mind going back in time. And most of the articles I'm looking about that I'm thinking of contributing are profiles. I think I'm going to start by doing profiles. So it's not so much my political work. But while I'm going through and looking at all these old articles, I'm seeing these political stories that I did from the 80s and 90s. I'm like, oh, my God, really nothing's changed, man. I mean, it's, you know, some of the same themes and some of the same um, laments and some of the same crusades and, you know, the same obstacles and the, the same patronizing. Or yeah, This is a little riff that I, I've been on ever since I've been critical of Joe Biden. Uh, in uh, on my show and in the reader i've been uh, subjected to uh, all kinds of emails from i call them biden bros they love joe biden they mm -hmm. passionately love joe biden which is interesting of all the people in the world to love passionately okay Harry, to each his own uh they are as sensitive as bernie bros are supposedly i'm just putting that out there miles you if you really want to see be subjected to some abusive uh emails and stuff go write an article critical of joey b and see uh uh, the Joe Biden bros, but the point is they remind me of Daily supporters back in the 90s when I would write articles critical about Daily. Oh, they get so upset and send me all these things. So, you know, some ways a lot hasn't changed, uh, Miles, over the last 30 years. Yeah, well, hopefully, I mean, one thing I will say about this moment, it's very scary. We don't know what's going to be on the other side of it. I think one thing we can be pretty certain of is that, you know, the world we return to, uh, after all of this will be different from the one we took shelter from. So I think we should, you know, expect that there's going to be change in our lives that uh, pr brings with it a uh, great peril, but also great opportunity. I mean, I think the world, the, the wheels of history are now in motion um, and the world, you know, even with uh, in that Trump administration in power right now, there is opportunity to change our priorities as, you know, country, as the people, and try to restore some dignity to um, American life that has been, you know, cast down upon for so long. And that's uh, one thing I think we should take out of this is not to lose hope that there, that, that while so much seems uh, impossible to change, especially while we're all, you know, stuck quarantined here, there's also a great opportunity to uh, put newfound pressure on and, and, you know, and, and show that this injustice is not the way that it has to be, that there's a, a brighter path forward. So I want everybody to kind of take that message out of all of this. It's not all doom and gloom. There's, a, you know, there's a, a, a brighter horizon we can reach towards. And when it comes to those, uh, the trip down memory lane with your old stories, even if they don't make it into the reader collection, I hope you post those somewhere because I'd love to see some of the 
uh, Ben's greatest hits from the years. Yeah, no, it's it. I will do that. Uh, it's inspired me in a, a different way to uh, start uh, bringing back some of these stories and. Uh, uh, yeah, having some, a lot of sports stories, by the way. All right, Miles. Uh, Miles Conflassen from In These Times is on our show. He, uh, every week on our show, used to be every Thursday. The interview now takes place on Thursday, but uh, you can hear him every Saturday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Thanks again, Miles. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. All right, very good. That's Miles. I'm Ben. Take care, everybody.